You're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing and business from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashton Mae Fernandez, and this is the only show where making a disruptive noise smells like success. Each week, I interview high-level disruptors who are making a big stink in their industry by doing things their own way while you listen in and ask a question or two. Talk show, live studio audience style. Expect all things marketing, messaging, money, and mindset, and only strategies that don't include farting and darting or treating your clients like an afterthought. So if you're ready to stop farting around and actually scale your business, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to be here today. I say that every episode, but I really am. I'm going to tell you a really funny story first, but it it happened a couple days ago. I'm still laughing. You're friends with me on Facebook. You've probably seen it, but a... A couple days ago, I was in this elevator at our, my office building is 12 stories and the elevator is extremely slow. It's so slow. And I was, (laughs) I was on this elevator down at the bottom and there's this one guy that I see him. I've seen him a couple times in my office building. He's really nice. And we've, you know, had the small talk. We've had the small talk several times in this elevator, you know, and I've seen him in the kitchen and all that, but we got on this elevator at the same time and usually how it goes when we're on the elevator it's he gets off on the seventh floor i get off on the ninth floor because his office is on the seventh my office is on the ninth and the twelfth floor of our building is a co-working main floor with a kitchen and all that so usually we get on the elevator and it's a small talk like oh my gosh like how are you today good good oh my gosh you'd be so busy so (laughs) i'm laughing because it was so awkward guys (laughs) anyway so the other day we're on this elevator and the small talk runs out about floor five. And I was going straight up to the 12th floor instead of stopping at my office first, cause I was going to grab a coffee and then just come back down. And I realized that he was also going to the 12th floor. And guys, if there's one thing you should know about me, I absolutely loathe, despise small talk. Oh my gosh. It gives me the crawlies, the creepy crawlies. I hate it. And our small talk ran out around floor five. And when I say this is the slowest elevator ever, it is. This building was built, I think, in like the 1930s. So it's very old. And we're just sitting there, blah, blah, blah. And I just could not take the awkward silence. I was like, oh my God, I have to keep talking. And my phone was in my backpack. So I couldn't even pretend I was on my phone. And he also wasn't on his phone. So that made it even more awkward. And so I just looked over and I was like, can you please tell me your name again? I am so great with faces and so terrible at names. He goes, oh, my name is Kevin. And I said, oh, that's funny. I used to be a Kevin. (laughs) And guys, it took me, I'm not kidding. I said, oh yeah, I used to be a Kevin. Or or, oh yeah, my name used to be Kevin. And it, no joke, guys, took me a good 45 seconds to realize how incredibly odd that sounded. (laughs) And again, we're stuck on this elevator. And so we're probably at four seven at this point. And I, I stopped and said, oh my God, that sounded so odd. Please let me explain that. And I was just, you guys, I was so nervous. I started to trip up on everything. And I was like, my girlfriend, and I was like, wait, no, not my girlfriend. I'm married to a man. I'm a girl. My, my girlfriend, that's a friend that is a girl. I'm a girl too. And I'm married to a man because I just was like, I just told him my name used to be Kevin. He's, oh my God, what a who is this crazy person. So I'm like tripping over my words. And I was like, when I, I was like, anyway, when I was in college, my friend and I used to go 
to bars and when we went out to the bar and I even said that my friends and I used to go to bars like of course we did we were in college and I was like I'm just digging myself deeper and deeper in a hole but I basically was like yeah we used to go to bars and guys that would try to come up and talk to us if we thought they were like really unattractive or we thought they were really annoying we would tell them our names were Lester and Kevin because they would immediately think, okay, there's something wrong with these chicks. Why do they both have guy names? And then also that's really weird. And it would immediately turn them off and they would walk away because they just didn't know if we were legit girls or if we were like, I don't know, like it just was really funny. And that's what we used to do. We used to laugh about it all the time. And I was Kevin and she was Lester. And <laughs> And then I like, I was like, I, but to verify, I am a girl. I've always been a girl and I'm married to a man. I'm not, I'm just basically, I was tripping over my words. It was so funny. And you guys, he was silent for probably a good 20 seconds. And his face went from what to, is she crazy? Am I really stuck in an elevator? Get me out of this elevator. To, oh gosh, that's hilarious. So he pauses and then he starts like, busting out laughing and he's that is probably the best story I've ever heard that made my day and he goes what's your name again and I stopped for a second and I was like it's Kevin <laughs> I hope you guys got it I was explaining this to my husband Ben he's I don't get it and I was like oh my god I told him that when unattractive guys tried to talk to me I told him my name was Kevin and when he asked me what my name was I was like oh it's Kevin like insinuating that he was unattractive but it was a joke and my husband's, oh, I get it. And I was like, oh my God. But anyways, it took it, it took Kevin a couple of minutes to get it to, well, not minutes, but it took him like a few seconds. Then he was like, oh, oh, I get it. Oh, because you like, oh, you're insinuating that I'm a guy trying to talk to you. You don't want to talk. Oh, okay. And he just started busting out. I was like, took you a minute to get that, didn't it? And he's like, yeah, you're funny. And anyway, so I told him, I was like, no, my real name's Ashley. I said, so nice to meet you. And he was like, I'll never forget your name. He goes, I might just end up calling you Kevin. But anyways, I wanted to tell that story. Hopefully it made you laugh because I just have to say though that those types of encounters happen to me quite often to where I'll say things and I'm like why in the world did I say that <laughs> and because a lot of times it takes my brain a little bit longer to be like wait a minute Ashley that sounded really weird what just came out of your mouth and I tend to when people say I don't have a filter I really don't have a filter sometimes I tend to say things that are so unexpected even to my own self when I say it and I'm like oh wait a minute that sounded really bad um but anyways, I just want to share that story because it was hilarious and I posted it on my Facebook and I had so many people commenting. And ironically, what was really crazy is Cam Snow, who will actually be a guest on the podcast. You guys will hear him soon. He actually had asked on his Facebook uh, page a couple days prior, have you ever changed your name? And I was like, does marriage count? Because if so, I changed my name in marriage. But then I just didn't even think about, oh yeah, I used to tell people my name was Kevin at the bars in college. <laughs> And my friend was Lester, which is also hilarious because my, one of my husband's best friends, his name is Lester and he's the only Lester I know. And he actually commented on the Facebook and he was like, Hey, I think Lester is a pretty awesome name. But if a girl told me her name was Lester, I would immediately think she was a spy or that she was messing with me. And I was like, Hey, I kind of like that spy idea. That sounds really great. But anyways, I hope that brought a laugh, but a way more serious note, no farting around. I actually had another event happen to me in which I was talking to one of my past clients who has turned into one of my best friends in the world and 
we were having a conversation and this concept came up and it's actually something that her and I have worked on from the very beginning mindset stuff. And it is something that I see a ton. And as I was talking to her, I was like, I really want to do an episode about this because I see myself getting stuck into this. And I see so many other people getting stuck in this. And especially in the online space, I'm going to pick a bone with the online space real quick. And I'm picking a bone with it only because I'm also guilty of it. And it's something that I see a lot and you're probably gonna be like, oh my gosh, but even if you aren't coach and you're listening to this, I want to challenge you to take responsibility of where you might also be doing this. So a lot of what I see in the coaching industry, and just to say it, just to, I'm just going to bluntly say it. A lot of coaches have really big egos. And a lot of the times the egos are masked by are are like a defense mechanism from insecurity. And I really, truly think that's the case. A lot of the times when people are full of themselves, it's not that they're really full of themselves. They have a lot of insecurity. That's a whole nother rant, but that's what you need to know to preface what I'm going to talk about. And I started to realize this a lot in clients that I've worked with, as well as other coaches in the online space, is that a lot of the time coaches have a really big ego And the way that this acts out, right, because the thought, the ego is the feeling, I guess you'd say, you feel egotistical or insecure, and in the actions that you take, is they end up bringing on clients, and instead of helping those clients come to the awareness on their own, and come to the, to see the thought patterns that they have on their own, Coaches tend to overpower the conversation and basically just tell them everything. They're putting their suggestions and they're putting their viewpoints onto them, which it's not, I'm not saying that's a really bad thing. Like I want to preface that and say it's not a really bad thing. But what I end up seeing is that coaches will literally talk at their clients for And I'm guilty of this. Like I'm saying, I'm so incredibly guilty of this. I have gotten so much better over the years, but it is still something I see a lot is that coaches will jump on a call and it's them talking 24 seven and it's them telling their clients what they see. And it's them saying, this is what you should be doing. And this is, this is the thought you're having. And this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. And again, it's not bad, but it doesn't provide transformation. Because let me just give you a simple, stupid, simple example. If I was a health coach and I came up to my client and I said, you just need to be more committed. You need to eat better foods and you need to exercise every day. You're not committed. You need to be more committed. And I just am always constantly telling her she needs to be committed. She needs to be doing this. She needs to be doing that. And I could say, you're not committed because... X, Y, and Z. If I am just telling that person all the time, you might have clients who really truly like get into the mentality of, okay, I have to do this. 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 But when you feel like you have to do something, you're always going to have a negative feeling about it. Even think about that. If you were to say, I have to go run today versus I want to go run today. Those, just saying those two phrases, my, my body's energy completely shifted. I see this a lot in the industry because there are lots of very intelligent people. There are some incredibly intelligent coaches and strategists and consultants out there who really, truly have a heart to serve, 
but they are trying so hard to convince you that they're an expert and that they have all the information and trying to convince you that you should be listening to them. And that's an ego. That's an ego thing. And what ends up happening is with their clients, they give them a lot of information, which their client will agree with. Like I listen to some people online and like, oh my goodness, they, I love everything they're talking about. 100%. I totally agree with that. But they're just talking at me. They're not helping me find the root on my own. So if someone's just yelling at me and saying, you need to be more committed, you need to be more self-disciplined, you need to do this and you need to do that, I might be motivated to do it for a little bit. I will. But it's as a coach, like you're going to start to get really frustrated and really resentful because you're going to feel like you're constantly trying to convince them that they need to be committed and they need to be motivated. And then you're going to create codependent relationships on you for them. And this is the sign. I see this a lot. And I'm saying that I see this a lot because I did this in my own. If you are a coach or you, consultants are a little bit different, but if you are a coach and you are doing any form of mindset work at all, you need to be very wary of how much you talk. And again, totally guilty of this. I sometimes look back at the client sessions that I've had and I cringe because I'm actually just shut up. Be quiet, right? Just be quiet. Because here's the thing, coaching Coaching and I'm not even going to say coaching. I'm going to say transformation. If you want your clients to do something, you have to ask really good questions and get to the root as to why they aren't already doing it because they know everything that you're telling them. Everyone knows that you need to, you need to work out and eat better to lose weight. We all know that. And again, I talk about this in content and being like, duh, duh content. And this is what it stems from. I feel like this stems so much. It's like this ego thing. And and I'll keep going. I'm like, oh, it stems from an ego thing, but I'm going to talk about two other concepts here in a second. So bear with me. It is an ego thing. And sometimes I said, again, ego comes out of insecurity. It's this, if you really want transformation, you need to spend more time listening and asking questions to help them get to the answer themselves. They're never going to break the patterns if they are constantly, if you're constantly giving them the answers, right? That would be like a student. That would be like you teaching, you telling the student all the information over and over again, and then they go down to take a test and you just tell them the answer. They're never going to learn it. They're never, ever going to learn it. And so you have to get them you have to ask questions and you have to just literally shut up. Like, I hate to say that, but you have to shut up. And so no joke, like I have sticky notes. I have sticky notes like all around on my office, um, on my computer. And like, I have a wall right here next to my, if you're watching the video, I have a wall right here next to my computer and I have sticky notes everywhere. And one of the things that I have on there says talk less and listen more. It's one of them. And then I say only the things that need to be heard. Say the things that need to be heard. And this is really big because I do feel like a lot of the times as coaches, we're trying so hard to convince our clients that we know what we're talking about and that we're good at what we do, even after they've already invested in us, proving that they know that we're good at what we do. 
And so that's a sign. That's a sign to me. If a coach or consultant or someone is constantly speaking, and I always know that for me too, anytime I'm on a call with a client and I tend to speak a lot, I feel like I need to be speaking a lot of the time. When I have to ask myself, like I have to tell myself, actually, shush, what question can you ask? And I'll even sometimes just take a breather. I'm like, hold on, give me just a second. And I'll breathe on a call. And then I'll say, let me ask you this. And then I'll do questions. And it's so much more transformational for them to figure out why they're not doing something versus you telling them. Because it does something too chemically in their brain. Like this is all psychology. It does something chemically in their brain. It awakens their subconscious for them to say, oh, I get it. Because you're allowing the neurons in your brain to actually rewire itself when you allow them to go through that thought pattern themselves versus you telling them the answer, you're going to get way much more transformation if you do that. Okay. I'm going to shift gears now. I wanted to say that because again, it goes into what I'm talking about that happened with, with one of my past clients and one of my friends. Now we were talking yesterday and since we've been coaching together, she has had this thread. Okay. And I'll just give you a little bit of a backstory. So, you know, and you might, this might sound really familiar to you. She is an incredibly high achiever. You tell her to do something, she'll do it. She's that type of person. She's a high achiever. And she has always had this desire to be super successful. Do I think it's wrong to have a desire to be super successful? Not at all. But her reasons when we dig into it always pulls this thread. There's a couple, there's a couple threads that always come up every time something comes up and it's the thread of I'm not enough. And it's the thread of making a lot of money will mean I'm super successful. And those are the two threads I want to talk about today because those I feel are rooted in the fear of failure and the fear of success. They're rooted in both. And I, I always like this, these concepts confuse people because everyone's kind of, they go, what the, what does fear of success mean? What does fear of failure mean? So I have some notes and I'm going to talk about the small distinctions between the two and how you can even teeter totter back and forth between them which she does. But basically the fear of failure is really about our standards and about our own expectations, right? So that almost like our desire. So if we have this desire to be super successful, we have this desire to X, Y, and Z. Her desire, really, she really wanted to be an author. She really wanted to be a speaker. She really wants to be known for what she's like an authority in her space. Those are her own expectations. And fear of failure really focuses on our own, not thinking that we can't reach our own standards, right? Our own desires. It has to do everything almost with us. And a lot of the thread is I'm not enough. That'll be a thread that comes up. And I'm going to talk about that because whew, I swear we talk about every time I talk to her, this thread comes up. And I'm like, I want to squash this thread. And we do, we squash it. But again, new level, new devil. A lot of the times we will never, ever actually get over these these mindset blocks that we have, it just shows up and manifests in different ways throughout our life. And it's fine, but it's good to know that awareness because when we see that pattern of the thought, I'm not good enough, and then how it makes us feel and the actions we take, when we start to see the actions we're taking, we can say, oh, 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 oh. 
the I'm not good enough thread is coming up and but it's disguising itself as this thought and this thought and this thought, but you can always get back to the roots. Whatever thought you have, a really great question to ask yourself is what are you making that mean about you? And that will always get to your root. And every time I ask her, what are you making that circumstance mean about you? Or we'll play pretend circumstances. Like she'll say, oh, I have a fear that I'll fall flat on my face. And I said, okay, what if you go and you speak in front of a thousand people and you fall flat on your face? What would you make that experience mean about you? She would say that I'm not good enough, right? That I'm not enough. And the thread, even that I'm not enough will also show in many different ways, but I'll I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to explain the fear of failure and the fear of success, and then we'll get more into fear of failure. So fear of failure is thinking I'm not enough, and it's about our own standards and our own expectations. Fear of success, however, is about how others will view us. We're almost, when you have a fear of success, you're really worried about how others will view you. And I have a client that is just spot on with this. She is incredible at what she does. She knows she's incredible at what she does. She's incredibly bold and confident, but she doesn't want to get too, like when we pulled this, it came out. She didn't want to get too successful because she was so afraid that friends that she loved and family members that she loved would no longer want to be around her would think that she was full of herself, would think that she was undeserving. Like it was all of these things. Think they couldn't be relatable anymore. And that's a fear of success. So fear of success is the expectations of others and the and what we think they will view us as. And then fear of failure is more of like how we will view ourselves. Does that make sense? I really hope that makes sense. It's a really, it's a very small distinction, but I think it's really one to recognize, but you can also have both in different situations. So you can have both the fear of failure and the fear of success, depending on what situation that you're in. And I truly think that the client, I'm my friend that I'm talking about here, we're just, we're just going to name her Susie because I'm sure she wouldn't care if I said her name, but I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to, I'm just going to say Susie. Susie has a little bit of both. And so I want to go back to the fear of failure of I'm not enough because this is something that we really talked about. And I hope that this helps you because sometimes you don't think you have that thought. And I'll tell you, I was one that thought, I don't think I'm not enough. I feel like I'm great at what I am, blah, blah, blah. But then no joke, I started getting into some thought patterns that I have. And then when she, when I got down to when I'm making that mean, I was like, then I'm not enough. But the phrase I'm not enough can show up in so many different ways. And let me tell you how it can show up. I feel like I should have done, and now that I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I should have totally just done two episode podcasts or podcast episodes about this. I actually will. I'm going to do fear of failure on this one. And then I will do another episode of fear of success. And we'll just go into it. Cause I was like, this is going to be the longest episode ever. So sorry. Those are my thoughts. My brain is always all over the place and that's okay. Anyways. So fear of failure, the I'm not enough. So let's talk about that root, because again, a lot of the times you might not think that you have it. So the fear of failure and the fear of, or the I'm not enough root can show up in so many ways. If your root is I'm not enough, it can show up in, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not an expert in this. I don't have enough information. I don't have enough people in my community. I don't have enough. I don't have enough offers. I only have one offer. I need more offers. It's it's also, I need, need, need. I need more people to pay attention to me. I need more opportunities. I need, it's all stemmed from not enoughness. 
And it can manifest itself in all those things. That's what ends up happening. And what I see this, when you have this thought of I'm not enough and all of these other thoughts that I just said, what ends up happening and what happened to my client, hers was I'm not enough. And so, so it made her feel very sad. It made her feel unloved. It made her feel all of these array of negative emotions. And so her action was, I'm just going to go out and do all of the things. And if I do all of the things, then I'll feel enough. So she, I want you to see that because a lot of the times, if you think I'm not enough, your immediate reaction is to do a ton more because a lot of the times it just makes sense in our brains, right? If, if there's not enough, go out and get more, go out and do more. And that's what she would do. And then what ended up happening was she would burn out. She wouldn't reach the results she wanted because she was all over the place. Therefore proving the thought of I'm not enough. I'm not achieving enough is what she would say. It didn't work. I'm not enough. And it, it, it would literally just prove the whole thought. And I see this all the time. I see it all the time. In, in the coaching industry with my clients, I see it all the time. And it's, it looks as going and doing a ton of other research and trying to find way more education, right? Like thinking you don't have enough knowledge, thinking you don't have enough resources, thinking you don't have enough education. So then you go out and you buy a ton of courses and you invest in a ton of programs, but then you also never 100% commit to those programs because guess what? You're thinking, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to commit to these things. It could go on and on. And I actually felt, I felt really guilty into this one for the first two years in my business. Um, I didn't know enough. And so I would do a ton of research and I would do lots of different certifications and I would invest in a ton of courses and coaching and all that. And not saying that any of that is bad, but my intention of doing it and the root thought that I had is I was doing it out of thinking that I needed more because I wasn't good enough instead of wanting to really increase my knowledge to be able to help other people. Crazy how that happens. I also see it in, and this is what she did too, my client, is a lot of the times if you have this fear of I'm not enough or this thought of I'm not enough, you will go and you will spend a ton of time supporting other people that that aren't actually going to be clients. So it'd be like supporting your peers. So it would be like jumping on every live video that they did or um, trying to be in all of their networking and all that. Because when you think you're not enough, another action you know taking is that you want, you're constantly wanting to seek validation from others because it feels good when people give you compliments. So then you'll tend to selfishly serve. And this was what my client was doing. My client would go and jump on, I mean, Every time someone in her network posted something, she was the first to like it. She was the first to comment. And she would spend all of her times online building relationships and never actually talking about her offer and never selling. And then she would get upset of like, why is my business not, you know, making enough money? And I'm like, well, you're not even talking about your offer. You're not selling your offer, but it made her feel good because She thought, okay, if I serve more people, if I go out there and I support and I serve more people, then I will 
be seen and recognized and that'll make me feel really good. But then it turned into her going out and selfishly serving. And I say selfishly serving because she was doing it with an agenda. She's, she was like, if I go out and serve them, then they will come back and give me validation and praise me. And then if they praise me, that'll mean they think I'm enough. They think, they'll think I'm an expert. They'll think I'm a really good friend. They'll think I'm supportive. They'll think I'm X, Y, and Z. And I call that selfishly serving because it was not serving of, I really love this person and I just want to support them. It was, I really want to get validation from them. Ooh, I probably just ruffled some feathers. And yeah, I'm just going to let that sit for a second. I, was like, I don't even know what to say after that. It was like, I'm just like a mic drop moment. But that's what she was doing, going out networking and trying to build all these relationships. And they were all very kind of surface level relationships too. It was just enough for them to praise her so that she would feel like she was enough. I also see this in making a ton of changes in your, in your business, right? Like you, you know, and I've, I've talked on previous episodes about one of my clients who constantly wanted to change her program price. She wanted to change how long her program was, all that. And I see this a lot. I see this so much. And it is that thought of I'm not enough, right? So if they think I'm not enough, guess what? Nothing else is ever going to be enough. Their program is not going to be good enough. It's always going to need to be changed. And you just get in a cycle of constantly trying to change. Another thing that I see is visibility strategies, right? They'll go out and they'll just constantly try to be visible because again, it's almost like what I said earlier, selfishly serving. They'll go and they'll try to be visible because to them, the more visible they are, the more people will see them. And then they'll feel like, oh, I am basically getting better. Does that make sense? And people, it, but it, it's always a hit that never last. And I'm going to use the example of as entrepreneurs, a lot of us think, oh my gosh, when we hit a hundred thousand dollars, we'll be successful. We've made it. Right. And then you hit a hundred thousand dollars and you're like, uh, <laughs> that was like, and your thought is like, oh, you, you always think everything's going to be hunky dory when you hit this certain milestone and it's never not. And that, and it never is what I mean. And that's what ends up happening with this, the same concept. You end up thinking if your thought is I'm not enough, nothing is ever going to be enough. Even if you set the goals you have and you think, okay, once I reach that goal, I'm going to feel this way. And then I'll think this and it never happens. And I'll even tell you when I hit six figures, I didn't even know what happened. I was so busy and so chaotic because I was also doing all of these things that I was talking about here. And I was basically avoiding failure. I was trying to avoid success. And so I didn't even know when I hit it. And did I feel any differently when I did? Absolutely not. And I'll give you, I'm going to end on this. So this podcast has, it's not super long, but I'm going to end on this. When my client and I were talking about this yesterday, I said earlier, she has this thread of making more money would mean I'm successful. And I don't love that because I asked her, I asked her, why did you start your business? She said, so I could spend more time with my family. And I could be able to stay home with my kids. And then I asked her, I said, can you think back to a time? And I called her cubicle, Susan. She was like, yeah, I remember a time I was sitting in a cubicle office and I was crying because I, you know, wasn't making enough money and my job sucked and everyone was mean to me. So I said, okay, 
Susan today, what if Susan went back to cubicle Susan and what would she say to her right now? And she was like, oh my God, and it was all positive things and it had nothing to do with money. Just you get to be home with your kid every single day and you get to be, have this life that you love and like all this had nothing to do with money. And I said, all right, now what if you went back and you told Cubicle Susan, hey, we're at $100,000, but you're still not successful. Sorry, you suck. Like, you're still not successful. Do you think Cubicle Susan would continue to get into entrepreneurship if you told them that and told her that? She said, absolutely not. I said, how would it make you feel? She said, it would literally break my heart. I would feel incredibly sad for today, Susan. And I said, okay, I want you to realize that you're literally trading what you started your business for paper, like money legit is paper. And it opened up so many doors for her. And I also used her kid. I said, what if you, what if your son basically gets older and looks back and say, says to you, you would rather have had, you would have rather made more money than spent time with me. Cause that's what she's doing right now. She's sacrificing time with her family to do all these random things, like do more research and spend a ton of time connecting with people and all that. I said, what if you, what if your son basically told you, you would have rather spent time making money than spending time. How that make you feel? She said, it would literally kill me. And I said, okay. So I made her write a sticky note and I would say, what would you tell cubicle Susan? Today, what would you tell cubicle Susan? And I made her write it and put a sticky note on her computer. And she was like, this has been transformational because I think a lot of the times when we do have that fear of failure and that fear of I'm not enough, we immediately go to all the negative things about what we don't have instead of really appreciating the things that we do and really actually getting back to the reason why we started everything in the first place. And the reason why I started this episode with ego coming back full circle is because when we looked down into it, a lot of her stuff was ego-based. She thought, okay, if more people paid attention to me, then in, I would feel more validated and then I would make more money and I would feel like I'm enough and then I would feel successful. And it was all of this, all just straight up lies, right? Like straight up lies. Because when we went back to Cubicle Susan, if you went back to Cubicle Susan right now, what would Cubicle Susan say about today? Like just looking from the outside in. She would say, dude, look how far you've come. Be grateful for it. Like it was all these things. It was like her going back into time and talking to this person that she used to be and then, and, and vice versa. And so I kind of want to encourage you to do that. If you feel, if you have any thread of not enough something, if so, it, it, and I also want to, I'm going to flip it really quick. If you feel like you should be doing things, that is an indication that you feel like you're not enough. Because if you feel like I should be doing this, and I should be doing that and should be doing this, should is also the, I need to be like, I should be. And I need to be are, two, are very similar. And so just catch yourself. If you're saying I should be doing this, I should be doing that. I need to be doing this. That is a root of I'm not enough. Like it is. 
So anyways, I hope this was helpful. I really wanted to come on and talk about it because it just was very transformational for her. And I even wrote, I even did the exercise myself. <laughs> I do that a lot. When I do stuff with my clients, I will sit back and say, I need to do that myself. And so I did. I said, well, and for my story, I was pregnant. I was five months pregnant when I quit my nine to five. And I was, I had my business already, but it had just, I had made what I had made in my nine to five. I like, I replaced my nine to five income in a year with uh, my blog and my business before I quit, but I also was not making a ton of money, if that makes sense. I was not making a ton of money at all as a dental assistant. <laughs> I was a dental assistant. That's a whole nother story, but I went to school for marketing and international business. And I worked at corporate marketing. And then I went on a wild hair and went back to school for dental assisting. And I worked <clears throat> as a dental assistant for a year and then decided I wanted to come back to marketing. So just in a nutshell, but I wasn't making a lot of money as a dental assistant. And so it wasn't, I'm not going to say it wasn't hard to replace that money, but it wasn't a ton of money to be replaced, if that makes sense. And I remember though thinking, you know, five months, six months pregnant, I remember thinking like, I don't want to have to get up every single day and come build somebody else's business and not build mine. And there was a lot of other things going on in that office that just really had me thinking, like, is this really what I want to do? And prophetic dreams and stuff with God. It was just a lot of things. But I thought about that. I said, what would you go back and tell dental assistant Ashley? That could be my name. What would you tell dental assistant Ashley? And it was, it made, it brought me a lot of clarity because it was, a lot of it was negative and it came up of, I feel like I should be further along than I am and like all this other stuff. And then, then that made me feel bad that I was thinking all that. And I was like, oh my God, like, don't listen, Ashley would be like, look how far you've come. You're so amazing. Look at this. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you did that. So anyway, I put everything into perspective, which is something that you need to do. And then coming back full circle, the ego coaches coaching out of the ego. You have to get out of this. I need to tell them what to do and they need to listen to me because they paid me versus having no attachment at all to their results and really asking questions so that they get that perspective and they get that awareness for transformation. So that's it. That's the episode today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I would love, love, love to know if this episode uh, spoke to you and if you have found yourself in the not enough phase. And if you have, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. So just send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at Ashley May Fernandez. And then you can find me on Facebook at Ashley May Fernandez. And just send me a message and let me know you listen to the show. And I would love, love, love to help you and assist you in that. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. And I will catch you next week on the No Fart Around show. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Ah, friend, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Fart Around show. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I would love, love for you to join us on the next podcast recording. You can go to www.ashamayfernandez.com slash podcast to see our interview schedule and the link to join us live to get your questions answered, get some personalized feedback and one-on-one -on -one hot seat coaching from not only me, but the amazing guests that I bring on the show. So I hope to catch you in the next episode. And until then, I will smell you later.